0: Welcome to the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Beyer, founder of Intuitive Edge Coaching and creator of the Elemental Entrepreneurship Framework. I use the elements, earth, air, fire, water, and spirit as a lens for understanding business and life. As you begin to understand each element, you can become an alchemist, able to powerfully blend the elements to transmute, transform, and create mysteriously potent outcomes with ease, leaving the people around you wondering, how are they doing that? As we navigate the unique challenges and joys that come with being a creative entrepreneur or professional artist, the Elemental Entrepreneurship Framework provides a guide to help you understand yourself, cultivate balance, and alchemize your business for magical results. I'm glad you're here. Hello, beautiful friends. Thank you, as always, for being here, for being with me, for being part of the community, for listening to podcasts, you know just all the things. Thank you. I hope you're doing well. It's the end of September as I'm recording this, and uh, here in Southern California, it is just starting to feel like fall. Things are getting a little crisp, uh, and I'm enjoying it. It is fantastic podcasting weather, I'm finding. Makes me want to stay inside and have big conversations with amazing people and share them with you. So that's what we're doing today. Um, If you listened to the last episode I've been talking a bit about manifestation as I prepare for the beginning of my first ever 90-day Sensual Movement Manifestation Challenge that starts on October 1st. You still have a couple days you could join, and I really hope you do. Um, I've been getting really excited about this group and this process and what we're going to be doing together and teaching in a more intimate way about manifestation and specifically about reconnecting with your senses with your sensual self getting back into your body as a pathway into your spiritual practice for so many reasons not the least of which is like the rhetoric that says that those things are separate and that spirituality lives outside of your physicality and um That has not been my experience and is very much not what I believe. And um, so many people joining this challenge are sharing that they joined because they're feeling disconnected from themselves and they're feeling adrift and like something is missing. Like they're out of touch with their own desire and feel off in their body. And I'm so excited that they've chosen this process as the pathway back in. And so if any of these topics resonate with you, this is a great thing for you to join to work more closely with me. It's 90 bucks, or you can do three payments of 3333. And like I said, the the first day of our 90 starts October 1st. So there's a couple days that you can still join. But as I've been talking about manifestation, I have been sharing some of the reasons that I've been hesitant to talk about manifestation publicly and the The nuance and sensitivity with which I think manifestation deserves to be discussed and the ways that I don't feel that I see those things always represented in the, uh, I call it the memification of manifestation as everything gets shrunken down into Instagrammable, TikTokable soundbites. And that is what leads me to my guest on the podcast today. My guest on the podcast today is my friend and client and teacher, Rawia Tariq, and I'm just going to share their bio with you. Rawia Tariq is a Black gender non-binary artist and kink-aware professional with roots in queer, polyamorous, fat community. Magic, massage, storytelling, and performance art are tools they use to liberate, heal, and reclaim space for marginalized communities. They believe in cohesive and somatic practices that align body, mind, and spirit. You can connect to them on social media and catch them as a feature in the film Fatitude and Heavenly Brown Body. Currently, Rowia is living in the Bay Area while working on their book, their healing practice, A Sovereign Embodiment, and providing care to Black, queer, and trans therapists via Project Ete Sen with Ella Ofori, LMFT and Rwia's, uh link tree is in the show notes, and I really encourage you to connect with them and also listen to their podcast, which we talk about a bit in the show. Another reason that I really wanted to have rawia on for this particular episode is that they created and teach a workshop called Manifesting While Marginalized, and I really wanted to bring their perspectives and their breadth of knowledge and experience in on this topic on the show. And I'm just very grateful to have them here. So uh, without further ado, go enjoy the show and then go sign up for the challenge. And I'll see you soon. I would love it if we can start with you. Just like share a little bit about who you are, your work, what you do.
1: Okay. Whatever you'd like to uh, my name is Raya Tariq. I'm a multidisciplined um, spaceholder, healer, performance artist. Um, and yeah, so the things that I do is I I I like everything that I do. Kind of comes into a nutshell of helping people become sovereign embodiments. So that can be helping you take your idea all the way to, I have a website and I have marketing materials and all that kind of stuff, to um tarot card readings and creating rituals that coincide with any um work that you're doing in your life. So take a, there's several therapists who sent their clients to me, and I create ritual for them to add a somatic spiritual element to the emotional and mental work that they're doing already. It breaks down to my performance, which has always been liberatory, even if it's funny or sad. Um, I'm a storyteller, and the point of my stories are for people to, well, one, to purge what's going on inside of me, but also to um hold a mirror for people to see um themselves in as well. And... Basically, I say basically, but that's that's like a a gist of of what I do. I feel like I'm I do a lot of different things from speaking to college panels, podcasts, not so much on social media right now as I'd like to because I can't handle it at the moment. Um, I'm writing a book. And yeah, that's about that's about it right now.
0: That's about it. It's huge. <laughs> you know, that's about it. Yeah, and Ruia uh, is a brilliant educator, space holder, facilitator, and uh, as I mentioned, podcaster. Drop the name of your podcast real quick. Where can people find your podcast?
1: Um, the podcast is My Black Body Podcast. Um, in the future, I'm doing a podcast called Becoming a sovereign embodiment. So look out for that in the future. But right now, the podcast I'm doing is a, um, my Black Body podcast with Jessica Wilson. And that's focused on Blackness and how having Black bodies, how the, how we're affected by the world by having Black bodies. And we deal with eating disorders. Um, we deal with, uh, therapy. We deal with, um, like, Just, oh my gosh, so many, so many subjects like we cover. Um, So yeah, check us out. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. Check us out. Love it.
0: So I asked for a way here today um, because I've been talking um, online more on social media more the past few weeks about manifestation. And I am running this 90 day sensual movement manifestation Mm -hmm. challenge. And I guess I want to like bring you up to speed on like my thought process and what's going on and like where I'm at or like the point I came to when I was like, I need to have Rwia on to help me talk about this. (laughs) So I, First of all, we'll just say I like challenges and I do them all the time, but I almost never host any. It's just like a thing I like to do. And some of them are weird, random, like things I put myself through that I don't even think of as a formal challenge, but like, I'm going to give up caffeine for three months or like this year I did... um like my birthday's in May and I did no alcohol until my birthday from new years. Right. Like I just like, Mm -hmm. we'll set these weird, like I'm going to blah, blah, blah until this date or like I have this thing coming up. So I'm going to blank until this thing. Um, I feel like that's a holdover from like show life. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, but it occurred to me that like, I do challenges all the time, but I don't frequently host them. And I was, uh, prepping for quarter four and thinking about fall and winter and like what I wanted to do. And I have my own like sensual movement practice. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, I want to get back into doing my practice daily. And maybe I'll do 90 days of practice starting with quarter four. And then I was like, it would be really fun to invite people to do it with me. And then I was like, well, I could host a challenge. And then I was like, oh, that's going to mean I have to explain to people what my practice is. Because it's not a dance practice and it's not an exercise practice. Mm -hmm. For me, it is a spiritual practice that's part of my manifestation work. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, shit, that means I'm going to have to talk about that. (laughs) And... I talk about magic and manifesting and pulling things into form with my private clients all the time. Mm -hmm. I talk about it in my closed groups all the time. I teach on it in life Align bootcamp. I teach on it in master moon. And I was like, Oh, I've really avoided getting into this space on social media. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, Oh, this makes me really uncomfortable. And it makes me really uncomfortable because a lot of the time, when especially white folks, especially white folks who are also in the world of entrepreneurship, talk about manifestation. They're really talking about new age prosperity gospel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they don't understand the energetics of pulling something into form. They don't understand the energetics of working with spirit. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but like a lot of popular manifestation rhetoric. Well, I mean, just to me, What we're actually talking about when we get into manifestation, like we're talking about shadow work. We're talking about spirit work. We're talking about ancestor healing. We're talking about ancestor veneration. We're talking about ancestor work. We're talking about laws of reciprocity. We're talking about like our relationships with desire and abundance and like all these things that like are huge, vast, nuanced, complex, intersectional things to talk about that really like topics like that don't lend themselves well to social media that wants everything to be a meme, right? That wants everything to be quick and shareable and punchy. Mm-hmm. And every time I start trying to share about manifestation, I'm like, and caveat and, but, and let's place this and let's put it over here. And then I like, I'm like, this is too big of a topic for me to like, it can't be memified. No, and so good. I was like, in order for me to like really talk about this, It can't be just a social media post. It's going to be like probably a quarter of me talking about it and trying to tease these things apart a little bit. And immediately you came to mind because I know that you teach a workshop called Manifesting While Marginalized. And I was like, there's no one better. There's no one better to help me like drop into this topic a little bit more deeply, pull some things apart, get into like why... The very, like, rational reasons why some people, when they just even hear or see the word manifestation at this point, just, like, turn off because they're, like, this mm-hmm. is about to be some fuckery or, like, some nonsense. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to listen because I'm afraid of where it's going. And that's super valid. Uh-huh. Um, and yet I don't want to throw the word away because it's a very valuable shorthand for this very hey. concept. Yeah. Anyway, now you're caught up. Here's where we're at. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> So first of all, talk to us a little bit if you're comfortable sharing about manifesting while marginalized. How did this class come to be and if you're comfortable sharing a little bit about the work that you do in that workshop.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um well, first also you you said a lot and I want to address a few things that you said hey. before I go into that. One, you 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 offer challenges to everybody all the time. Like you do. Like I've worked with you as a coach. That whole thing was you challenge me all the time you challenge me to sit the fuck down which was great i needed to like i would almost died from doing too much twice so like you know you do challenge people to make changes in their lives that allow them to have the life that they want to have and to believe that they can have it as the first part so you have already been teaching manifestation uh, so I just want to acknowledge that and bring that to the table for you right now in this moment. I received um, receive that. Thank you. <laughs> um, and so I do. I do um, teach a class called Mod- "Manifestation While Marginalized" and hashtag the secret with seasonings. The um, secret <laughs> with seasonings. <laughs>
0: we can't just we can't just drop that and not let that breathe that's hilarious okay
1: and and I and I I did it because I'm watching all these people talk about manifestation and and for me I'm like this shit's stupid like they began and ended the secret and I had watched the secret they made me watch the secret in massage school and I was like yawn because all these people are talking and they're not Thinking about um, the steps forward that they have that allow them to do things. Like when people talk about manifestation, they're not they're not seeing how someone who is white, upper class, privileged with money has an easier, has less resistance to push-through than someone who grew up with a lower socioeconomic status, less access, melanation. Depending on what body they have, if they have a queer body, you know, if they're not cis or, you know, if they're not straight, you know, they, they don't think about all those barriers that make one not believe that they can have what they have. While also the reality of what it means to push through these glass ceilings. So I'm like, so manifesting uh, while marginalized came about as a way of, yes, yeah, you can have these things. You have to believe that you can break this glass. You have to believe that you can break cement. You have to believe that you can move mountains. and You have to be prepared for the consequences, the real consequences of moving in the way that you need to move in order to have these things. Um, And also, like, it's going to be a battle. It's not going to be just, you know, like, I'm going to cast this belief out into the world and it's going to come to me. No, it's praying with your feet moving and sometimes sticking it up anyone's ass who needs to have it stuck up there, right? So... Um, One of the things I talk about with manifesting while marginalized is surrounding yourselves with image and iconography that work with your goals. So for me, as a fat Black person, I am surrounding myself with image of fat Black people like who are successful. And again, successful does not necessarily mean just in a capitalistic viewpoint. It means having the life they want to have. You know, so I surround myself with images that are like me doing the things that I like to do. Um, and it's not just like posters on my wall. It's on my social media threads. It's everything that I consume has got to be from that viewpoint. Um, and I, and a lot of it is like first step for me in the, in the class that I teach is liberating, liberating yourself from all these like Eurocentric colonized views of first what success is and what you can have there's a whole untangling and then there's calling your resources like you mentioned ancestors and all that kind of stuff and there's a shadow work which is super intense because it's like how have i taken those tapes and continue to replay them that tells me that i can't have or that I'm, or that I'm a up. that this is impossible for me. So you have to go through a whole deprogramming process. And as part of that deprogramming process, you change or you strip layers off and allow yourself more space to be who you are. And as a result, you burn down your fucking village. Like there are people who you've been fucking with for decades who no longer want to fuck with you. They don't talk about that shit in the secret. Like, they don't talk about- <laughs> making moves like people like who have trouble or struggle with their positioning in life and what they could have and part of their sanity is around like this is what it is that I have no power so when they start seeing you acting like shit can be different it, it it throws off the system that keeps them the system of their sanity yeah and they and in order to protect themselves they can't fuck with you no more. Like, they ain't even conscious of it. And so, people who are moving through this um, change, internal revolution, are like, oh, my friends are leaving, which can throw you off course from what you're trying to do. But if you have that information that, yeah, this is just going to happen as a consequence. No one talked about the consequences of getting what you asked for, because there are consequences to getting what you asked for. <sighs> um... Wait, and, I want to, I want to,
0: I want to double click. I want to, I want to like deepen, deepen into this. I want to like drop down, hit the drop down here. Yes, 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 yes. The grief and growth, right? Like that, that's mm-hmm. like the, the thing that we don't talk about enough, I think across the board, but I even want to like pull back a little bit further. I was thinking this morning, so if you're even cursorily familiar with like the manifestation formula put forth by like Abraham Hicks, right? Ask, believe, receive, right? Mm-hmm. Then that, that's the basic, what we're talking, right? Like you ask, you believe you can have it. And then you have to get into receptive mode, right? All of those things are actually really, really hard and have like 15 subheadings. Uh-huh. <laughs> but first just thinking about asking like most of the people I know that I coach that come, that my friends, the people who come into my sphere, Fraught relationship with desire. Oh, yeah. And we have a fraught relationship with desire because of what happens to us as kids, especially. Oh, yeah. When we start asking, right? When we're children, our relationship to our desire is completely unjudgmental and innocent, right? Like, we just want what we want. And if you won't give it to me, I'm going to have a fit. Yeah. And And then you get like smacked for having fits. Right, like I was thinking this morning about like the just in case ass woman, like the like Mm -hmm. the smack before you go into the store that's accompanied with a very sharp "Don't even Mm -hmm. ask for shit." Yep, right. I'm punished before I even thought to ask. Mm -hmm. Right, and like these mechanisms of of uh, controlling the behavior around desire, like don't ask for nothing, you're not going to get anything, and then even further, like as you grow up, if you have. If you don't have money, if you're watching a single parent financially struggle, you learn real quickly. Just don't ask. Just don't ask. I'm either going to get in trouble for asking or like my parents going to feel bad that they can't provide it for me. And I don't want my parent to feel bad. Or um, it's going to be explained to me for the millionth time why I can't have new shoes and I have to get hand-me-downs or why we get all of our stuff from Goodwill. And I just want the Mm the new stuff that other kids have. Like, when you're 7, you don't want to hear that shit. You're like, I don't care why I can't have Nike's. I just know that everyone cool at school has Nike's and I'm trying to survive this year without getting picked on, so I know that I need them. <laughs> like I need whatever, a Jansport backpack, because all the kids who don't get picked on have Jansport backpacks, right? Like all the consequences to not having things, which are very real because they're all about like the acceptance of your peers, right? Like the safe- your safety in the world as a kid which like adults seem to forget when they hit adulthood
1: is like brutal. Um,
0: but like, there are so many different ways, right? And that's just like one single surface level, tiny way that we're taught not mm-hmm. to ask for shit. There's so many deeper ways that we're taught not to ask
1: for that, things. That is that. Impactful because those types of messages we get in our formative years. Yeah. From the time we're little. And then like, People who look like us don't ask for that.
0: People from our Mm -hmm. family don't want that. People from Mm -hmm. our ethnic group don't want that. People from our country don't want that. Good girls don't want that. Good boys don't want that. Like your desires are shameful. Yeah. The things you crave, the things you yearn for, you shouldn't even want, right? Mm -hmm. And so then we just shove them down. Because what we're learning for is like, Oh, I want that. And my hand gets smacked away. I reach for it. My hand gets smacked. I reach for it. My hand gets smacked. I try to reach for it from the side. My hand gets smacked. I try to reach for it from the back. My hand gets smacked. Now I start to reach for it with a shaky hand and I'm more afraid to reach and my hand gets smacked. And at a certain point I think about reaching and I go, Nope, I can't even reach for it. And by the time you're an adult, the people I encounter They're not even reaching anymore. They just are like, no, my hand's going to get smacked. Here's all the ways I couldn't have. Here's all the reasons I couldn't have that. Here's all the reasons it won't work for me. Here's all the reasons I can't go for it. Like you're, we internalize the no to the point that we think it's our no. We don't even remember.
1: We perpetuate our own scarcity things. Like we, we, and that's the first part I think of manifestation that we have to breakthrough that most people don't like talk about because again a lot of the literature on manifestation is written by the popular literature on manifestation Mm -hmm. is written by people of privilege who haven't had to move in these certain ways or have lived these certain experiences and so i think that's also why people who come from different social economics backgrounds different race ethnicities when they hear the word manifestation, they're like, this some fuck shit.
0: Right. That's and it's fuck shit devoid of context, right? Because when we're talking about mm-hmm. the popular literature on manifestation, we're talking really about concepts that are ancient that come from india that come from africa like these are very very old contexts that have been picked up appropriated whitewashed and then regurgitated through the lens of someone with a very different life experience and Mm -hmm. worldview from the original source material
1: it's like it's like marijuana to me it's like It's really like marijuana. Like when you take the whole plant and use the whole plant as medicine, you get so many different benefits than when you go to the dispensary and get something where they only are focused on the THC and the CBD. And like, and so you lose all of the medicinal things. Like look at all of our medicines that we have right now have so many side effects because we saw what what they saw, what they thought was valuable in the plant and didn't take the whole plant. All of it's valuable. And that's what happened to um manifestation um practices is they took it. They took all the things out of it that they thought weren't valuable. And so you lost the healing process because manifestation work is a fucking healing process. Yes. Talk about healing is rough. It's like sandpaper across your nips. It's difficult, but
0: like, it's so worth it. <laughs> right and so just yeah like the like layer one of healing just starts with like if the formula is ask believe receive like step one is like we have to heal our relationship with asking for what we want and like back to our original thesis right that like the farther away you are in social location from Mm -hmm. essentially like young thin fit cis white het maleness (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) the more challenges you're going to have with ask, with just even being comfortable asking for what you want, not just out loud, but even from yourself. And Mm -hmm. a lot of us like don't even recognize how quickly we talk ourselves out of the glimmers of our desire before we've even fully articulated them to ourselves. We're like, Ooh, you shove that down. That's not safe. Don't you
1: dare that! It, and it's not safe because it's it it hurts. Oh my god. Sarah, it hurts to think about because you have to think about your desire when you're still in the mindset of I can't have anything because there's too much going on that is gonna stop me from getting it. So like it is painful to think about what you want in the first place. And when you start thinking about what you want, you think about what you haven't been able to have too. And and so the pain goes all the way back. It goes back through the years that you've lived, um, linearly lived, right? Um, so it is it is heart-wrenching when you first start to ask because there's so much, it's like there's, yeah, there's discomfort. There's real pain like you said earlier the grief there's so much grief to move through and rage Um,
0: which is a very uncomfortable emotion especially Mm. for a lot of femme folks like oh my god righteous uh rational rage at a lifetime of being told don't reach for what you want and your desire is not sacred yep And so, in order to get comfy with the asking, you're gonna have to go make friends with all that shit. And that usually people are like, "And I quit. (laughs) Never mind. I'm good. I'm set. I'll just ask for like my little small sliver that
1: I'm. I'll ask for just enough. I'll ask for just enough. Just enough. Maybe even a little less than just enough. You know, hope is hard. Hope is hard in this world. And that's and that's a big part of manifestation. Is is Hope, yeah, we call it belief in so many ways, but it's, it is, it is that archetype of hope. And when hope hurts you, you know, like, and it's an amoeba effect to me. Like, if you've been taught not to hope in one area, it spreads out to other areas in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially where we're at right now with all this social change that's happening right now all of this um like again what body you're in or what body you live in how people treat you because of the body that you're in like hope feels like if i don't have hope i don't have longing if i don't have desire then i could just numb out make it day to day and then like die and move on to someplace better i mean that's what i was taught as a black person going to southern baptist church like life sucks be nice to people so you can go to heaven and then maybe you'll have some peace and you'll have all your rewards. Like when religion that you're brought up in is telling you like suffering and pain are valued in this life and it means you'll have better when you're dead. Like you don't think about creating heaven on earth. You think of life as like, okay, this is is a prison sentence. I have to do best behavior and then I'll get my reward. You live your life that entire way. So you're breaking through a lot of social context as well, community context. Like it goes deep into spirituality. So it's a lot of work for someone who moves in a certain way, who lives in a certain body, has to think about when they talk about manifestation. And then when you add that component of sensual movement with it too, I teach a class called The Body Divine. Which is all about sensuality and movement as well, and um we'll talk about seducing the universe, like, and there's moments in that too, where and I talk about spell work with magic, with sensuality with manifestation, and like and there's this level what you're doing where it's like not only just working this magic, not only calling it in. But also, if you have a body, you're not comfortable with that body. Being comfortable with that body, use that body as your altar and your tool. Like it's a lot, and it's not lot. It's so needed, and it, it and, don't need it.
0: And, don't, and I think like it's um doubly confronting, right? Like you mentioned growing up in Christianity and I have shared on the podcast before I did not. Right. So like, there's a lot of things I was just spared from, but of course, like if you live in the United States, like I'm, I'm familiar. <laughs> I've been around. I've like, I've read the book, uh, <laughs> a couple of different versions. Um, wouldn't recommend weird book, lots of contradictions.
1: Anyway. Uh- <laughs> Briefly, if God's troll list to me. I'm like, this is a fucking troll. Like, God's a troll. God would love Twitter. Like this, this is just a giant list of people that got Jonah and the whale, the whole thing with Joseph and the code of many colors. And like the Exodus, like all, all of it is like, it's just God's troll list. Like, I right. just, and it's also just
0: like the, the thesis of this book is like, it's women's fault. At the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, a weird book. So yeah. Right. Like didn't grow up in Christianity, but that also means that like a lot of the, like, Mm, the deep precepts of shame that a lot of people I knew who grew up in Christianity, I was like very blissfully spared from. And I don't overlook the privilege that that is in my life, that I didn't have Mm -hmm. that particular shame. Like I just, am literally picturing it as like a 50 pound weight vest that I had to like peel off myself. I didn't have that. Um, I had other shame, but not that one. Um, So like, Especially in that particular flavor of shame, right? There's there's so much stuff about like the body itself being sinful
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that embodiment is sinful, that enjoying mm-hmm. Being embodied is sinful to the point that like when I start when I use the word sensuality, I have to give all these caveats and like explain to people that by definition, sensual doesn't mean sexual and like ha- like s- sidebar not that there's anything wrong with that either. And your sexual energy, your sacral energy is an especially powerful force for manifestation when we get into talking mm-hmm. about the idea of using your sexual power like you're to seduce the universe that is super powerful in and of itself Uh but even just to pull apart like it is not inherently bad that you have a body or we wouldn't have them like we're in a three-dimensional fucking meat sack on purpose for a reason and like we are in such a sex negative culture Right. Mm-hmm. That we have used sensuality as a euphemism for sex for so long. Yeah. We'll hear the word sensual and immediately go, oh, like you mean sex. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I mean, like, like. Yeah. Like not allowed. your fingers over velvet I yeah. mean having all flavors of honey yeah having all these different flavors of honey for your tea letting a piece of chocolate melt on your tongue enjoying okay. temperature change on your skin like just okay. being aware of the fact that you're living in a body okay. and like letting that be an enjoyable experience is yeah. sensual living and for a lot of people like there, even just that is like, there's going to be a lot of deprogramming that they're going to have to do to pull apart. Like, oh, I was raised to believe that the body itself is untrustworthy, is sinful, that like spiritual lives outside of the physical. Yeah, And so like spiritual lives outside of the physical, I have no control over it. It's paternalistic and controlled, right? By like sky daddy. Yep. And the more I can deny, right, the denial of the flesh, the more I can deny and control my body, the closer mm-hmm. I am to God. Like that whole relationship is just hot garbage. That's like, there's my mm-hmm. it's my hot take on
1: that. <laughs> One of my things that I work on with my clients is the basic concept that you're, we're taught that our spirit needs to inform our body. And I'm like, no, that's not what's happening here. Your body in this life in this flesh informs your spirit. There are lessons that you cannot learn without your body. Your spirit can't learn these lessons without your body. Your body is not less than your spirit. Your body is your spirit's teacher. Like your body is your spirit, like you you are you are a cohort, you and your body. Your body like,
0: is your spirit's teacher. Yeah. I just want to like underline that. Your body is your spirit's teacher, everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. You yeah. heard it here first. Ruya really, yeah. Your body is your spirit's teacher. <laughs> September 26th, 2021. It's a t-shirt. It's a hashtag. It's a movement. Okay, go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah. When we approach it from that viewpoint of your body being wise, having valuable information like that can inform your spirit. Then it turns the world into a playground. Mm. It's like, what can I experience? What can I have? What can I feel? What feels good to me? I'm I'm very much I'm very much a hedonist. I've been a hedonist for like such a long time. And some people think a hedonist is someone who just wants what they want and gets what they gets and does what they do. It's like, no, I'm a sense person. Like I wanna sense things. I'm and it's not just pleasure. Like I definitely, as a kinky person, I have sense both pleasure. And and pain, I actually giggle like, oh, my back went off. The first thing I did was giggle. I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> but like, uh, but now I know what it feels like. Like the first time I felt what hemorrhoids were, I was like, oh, fuck. No wonder people say this is terrible. But also our body helps us build empathy and compassion for other people, too. It's like our bodies are so powerful. Our bodies have so much to teach us is such an impact and we shouldn't try to repress our bodies. We should try to move with our bodies and move with the wisdom of our body and connect with our body's mind and, 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 and plant with our body. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh my God. Like the acceptance of our body is so key to manifestation because if we're trying to manifest something on a, on the physical realm. How can we do that without our physical body? right. Like, how are we going to try to manifest something physical without our physical flesh? It doesn't make sense.
0: Absolutely. I'm trying to feel into to where I want to steer us from here because I have so many different thoughts, and this is all just so good, and I'm so excited, and I feel like we might this might be like a, a three part series now. Let's <laughs> okay. go into it. We could talk a little bit about well, before we move away, because we just kind of dropped some big things about asking, right, about healing our mm-hmm. relationship with desire. So maybe let's just like give a takeaway. Let's give a tip. Let's give something that somebody can start practicing right now. If you are recognizing yourself in this feeling of like, oh, I definitely am not comfortable asking for what I want. I don't even really like to think too deeply about what I want. What what would we say to them? What's something that they can start doing right away to practice getting more comfortable asking?
1: I have a little box. Mm-hmm. I have a little box. I've painted it myself. It's a nice little box. And I will put in a box things that I want. I'm like, I'll be like, I want this, and I'll just put in the box, and that way, I've written it out, and I've acknowledged it, but I've separated it from myself, so when I can't so I don't have to like hold on to it in that moment because it might feel like too much or I can't feel like I can have it, so I kind of like you know, like I kind of take it out of my head and put it somewhere else, and so I started leaving little notes to myself about things that I want, or I started a tab on my phone about things that I want, like I and I started acknowledging it that way, but giving myself space from it a little bit. So I wouldn't have to be like, like I can't have that. I'm like, this is, this is what I want. I want this for later. I want this for later. And then I started adding dates to it. Like I want this by such and such. I want to have this experience. I think, I also think one of the big things that you could do to to heal your relationship with wanting our desire is to allow yourself to have little things like Not little things, they're big things, but first starting by giving yourself more time. Time to dream. Time to think about what it is you want. Um, when you start with things you actually have in your life, like I want my car bill to be like easy for me to pay, like, and then double it. Like whatever you ask for, start a practice of doubling or tripling it. Um, One of the things that you did that you recommended that I do that helped me with my relationship with wanting, desire, sensuality was the thing where you're like, take a hot shower and then air dry while eating an orange. Naked like, orange eating. Ugh,
0: it's such a rich experience. If you've never tried that, especially during the summertime when it's hot outside, take a shower, throw a towel on your bed, naked starfish, and then like eat an orange. Mm-hmm. Ugh,
1: ugh. You have to start, I feel like for me, I had to start treating myself like I'm an excellent partner. Mm-hmm. I love, I like, I worship the people that I am in relationship with, which is why I can only be in relationship with certain kind of people because people will take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I needed to treat myself like I needed to be my own lover. Like I, I have sugar daddy energy. Like I just, I just have that kind of like, what can I get for you? What you need, what you want. But just existing bitch, what do you want? Uh, my poor Ella is just like, Ella spends a lot of time like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> I broke out about my partner and making sure my partner's needs get met. And so how I am in a romantic relationship, I had to start having a romantic relationship in that way with myself. Yes. What do I want? What do what do I need? Like, even if I had to talk to myself in that way, what do you need? What do you want? Like, if you could have any, like, I can, it's so easy for me to dream for people that I want, what I would want to give them and what I want to do to assist them. And if you're that kind of person that like gives and gives and gives, it's such a powerful thing to like, start envisioning the person that you love and what you want to give to them. And then take that energy and like reflect it back into yourself. Like, if you If you want to give this to someone else, I'm like, my partner and I have a an, have an erasure where it's like, I can't give my partner any more than I would give for myself, and I got to give to myself first. Yes, Love so it. that's another way of like start taking yourself out on dates. Start taking yourself out on a date. start like really, we talk about self-care, like self-care is like this easy draw bubble bath type thing. Self-care is so hard. Self-care is brutal. Self care definitely deals with what do I desire, what do I want. Self care isn't just a nail day at the spa. Self care is like, what do I need? What am I yearning for? Like really doing that kind of like date yourself. I would start there because when you want to date with somebody, you want them to have a good time. Like if they want if they want that chocolate cake at the end of dinner and a and a, and a cup of Turkish coffee, you're like, yeah, bitch, I got you. Two cups of Turkish coffee. That's a bad idea because y'all are going to be up all night. I mean, that might be a good idea. You might be up all night. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you're going to make sure that person have it. You're going to make sure if you're a parent and you're an awesome parent and you want your kid to have things, like, take that same energy and throw it in yourself. If you're a healthcare worker and you are, like, you know, changing bed pants for people, wiping people's asses, being nice to people on their hardest day where they can't even be nice to you, then you need to be the same way with yourself. So take these relationships where you are giving other people what they desire and need. Really look at that and then make agreements with yourself that you can't do this for other people until you're doing it for yourself. Like the way you told me I'm only able to give from the saucer. (laughs) I remember that. Um, Yeah. You got to take care. You got to, got to have it's. You have the mental pathway. You just have to, you have the capacity. I have the capacity. The mental, the road there is in my spirit and mind and my body on how to, how to provide for other people to have their needs and desires met. I know how to pull. So asking someone what they want, I can't, I can't do that. We all can do that. I think, what do you want? What do you need? How can I help you get it? But we have to make a contract with ourselves, our yeah. full self to do that for ourselves. So we, for me, it's entering into a contract and then do little things to then continue to like, it's, cause again, it's going to be, it's going to be a painful process. Not gonna, I wish I could make it easy and sweet and loving and gentle, but just accept that it is going to be a painful process and it's going to bring up things and and you're going to have to do a lot of sitting with your child and a lot of the anger and the rage and know that it's normal and that you're going to be okay. But it's also like when you, when you become your own lover in that way, you're going to have the feelings of just like you've had bad relationships with people and you get in that good relationship and you're like, and you're like, I love this good relationship that I'm in. And fuck Tom, Dick, and Harry for being this way. That like you're gonna have that, you're gonna have that reverberation from the past self, the rage. So just accept that and continue to move forward.
0: And let me just like touch on that too, because the other thing, and I experience this all the time, about like being in your first good relationships after toxic or abusive relationships, or bad relationships, or even when you're healing family stuff. It's not like all of a sudden you know how to be a healthy partner in a healthy relationship, right? Like I'm still afraid to like ask my partner to take out the trash because I have this reverberation of past partners who would fly into an irrational rage if I asked them to do anything, right? Like mm-hmm. so that thing of like the reverberation of like once you get into a good relationship, you still have those old shadows or echoes like the contrast of of being treated well of being Mm -hmm. treated sweetly, of having someone be available and rational and reasonable and kind, like also sometimes hurts at the beginning because it highlights the places where you didn't have that or were so mistreated in the past. And I think the same thing is true when you start to treat yourself kindly. Mm -hmm. And I've gone through this working with people in Body Love Lab is that all of a sudden you have all of this grief and shame and guilt about all of the ways you abused yourself in the past and all of the ways you held held yourself back, said no to yourself, punished yourself, Mm -hmm. shamed yourself in the past. And if you're not careful, you can use that as like a new thing to beat yourself up about. I have to move through the forgiveness of like, my past self did the best that they could with the tools Mm -hmm. that they had at the time. And now I have new tools. So I'm doing new things and it doesn't mean that past me, was bad or deserves to be punished. Like that part of myself also gets folded into yeah. this compassion.
1: Cause part of you is also the you that got you to the point that you could do this work now.
0: Yep. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. I also want to highlight uh, while we're on tips for getting comfortable with asking if you're so disconnected from your desire that you're like, I don't even know what the fuck I want. I just like, I'm on mute. Like I just get up every day and live, you know, it's not pleasant, but like pay attention to your binge behaviors. And pay attention to mm-hmm. your judgment and your criticism of other people or your mm-hmm. jealousy of other people. Yeah. Because like, so our binge behavior is like, I just want to like, when we have desires that are not met, they don't go away. They just like no. push down and anything that gets pushed down, like I always think about spillage or like seepage, like our suppressed emotions, like they're still inside. This <laughs> It's 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag. It's just getting yep. squished out in mm-hmm. other weird ways. There's this weird spillage, over into areas that you don't want it to. And we're thinking on the surface, we're like, oh, I'm good. I'm towing the line. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But I have like these other, right? Like road rage or like I have these other behaviors where these unmet needs of mine are actually getting expressed in unhealthy shadow ways in my life, right? So like that can be sex binges. It can be food. It can be alcohol. It can be gambling. It can be shopping. It can be... Rageaholic, right? It can be anything, but like, if you are experiencing these sudden, like, swings of, like, uncontrollable binge behavior, that is a signal. And that's a a pathway into your unmet desires and needs that you can, like, start to look at, right? Like, so of course, then you probably have shame and guilt about those behaviors, Mm -hmm. right? And so, like, we have to move the shame out of the way and bring in curiosity about, like, I'm obviously doing this from a place of of deep, unmet need. Mm-hmm. And that can be a pathway into our desires and starting to figure out what our desires really are. We do have them, they are being expressed, just not in a healthy, way. Yeah,
1: not a healthy way. We
0: have the capacity to reclaim them, to heal them, to pull them in, and to elevate them so that they can be expressed in a way that's not in the long term detrimental to our life mm-hmm. and our well being. Um, but they're not going anywhere. Like, don't fool yourself. They're still there and they're probably coming but out. Uh, and then the other thing is jealousy, right? Your criticism, your judgment. If you are noticing that you have a lot of shade about other people, their accomplishments, what they're doing, pangs of envy when you see your friends or your peers doing well or stuff that's happening for them, that's a great place to bring your curiosity and be like, what is this highlighting for me about something I want that I believe I can't have? And that's why I'm jealous of this other person getting it because I somehow think that like, well, they can have it because X, Y, Z. And I I couldn't have it. That's exactly highlighting for you what the shadow is that you're going to need to address. Like that's the limiting, and it may be a limiting reality, but it is also frequently the limiting series of beliefs that has trained you to stop asking. And you're just projecting it forward when you look at other people doing something that you want to
1: do. I think one more thing to look at that's easy to access is, my partner, um, really has a lot, has been saying this over and over and over again, like ease, where's the ease? And, and I think if we look for places in our life where we, where, where things feel hard and where we desire, where, where we're like, look for places where we want more, where we desire more ease. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like where we desire more ease. Like if you're in a work situation that feels like, oh, I'm trying to go into this job, it's so hard then the desire behind that is I want to work somewhere that's where I leave and where I'm not depleted, where I'm appreciated, where I'm this or that. Like find also what you are avoidant of um, and, and why. And you'll probably find like there's discomfort, there's dis-ease around it. So how do you, like your desire then is what will make this situation um, more easeful? And I found that also to be a roadmap to what I, to having my desires met is where can I create more ease in my life? And, and that feels, cause when people think about things that they desire, they think about opulence mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not always about like complete opulence or, or decadence. It's what, what can have us have our best life? And our best life is uh, people are informed by their best life by reality TV shows now. That's another thing I will say. Stop watching reality TV shows. Stop Don't watching. Take
0: away reality. my housewives shows. If you oh are a okay. guy I've never heard of and you have lunch with your friend and throw drinks in their face, I'm gonna
1: watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you have like look, look though, like counterbalance though. Like if you if you're having a thing where if people are having a thing where they think that having their desires met means having the most or based on a capitalistic viewpoint then some some of these things can be too much for them so like know that desires being met doesn't have to be um a tesla right <laughs> like it 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 can be you know but you know and if your car is just barely holding on like your desire is i want a car that's a reliable car that looks nice that i feel good in that's not going to break down. Like, your desire doesn't have to be something like caviar dreams. Like, it doesn't have to be that. Um, It can be what makes you easeful. And eventually, then it's going to be, you know, it'll get to a point where it's like, I want rose gold and we can at the Claremont. Like, you'll get there. You'll get there. But
0: I also want dark- to, like... I've been having this thought recently about ease. And I shared this in the manifestation challenge Facebook group that I've really been thinking about my relationship with ease. And, um, I've had this like pendulous relationship with ease and difficulty. Um, like, especially as someone with like a history of like eating disorder and sexual trauma Mm -hmm. for a long time, like anything that felt like rules, Um, especially rules about my body, I was like, Nope, like, I can't have them. It's dangerous for me. It's a slippery slope for me. Any form of like externally placed discipline is not a good road Mm -hmm. for my brain. Mm -hmm. And so I swung all the way over into like, no rules, all feelings, complete flow for a long, long time. And I feel like I really needed that. that
1: I know that place.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And now I'm in this middle place where I no longer feel like any rules are dangerous. I'm also like, if you are a person who follows like the four tendencies, I am a questioner through and through. So I will follow mm-hmm. rules that make sense to me and no yeah. others. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like the thought I've been having recently, right, is that sometimes like we're looking for everything to be easy in the wrong way. And oh a lot of the things that create ease in our lives are not easy. Like boundaries yeah. create ease in your life, but setting a boundary, if you have a lifetime history of like people pleasing is not easy. You're right. right? Like having a structure by which you maintain your house may create ease in your life, but creating yeah. that structure when you never learned how to do it or it's when you have easy. a difficult relationship with it is not easy. No. Um, Having relationships with people who honor and value and affirm you creates ease in your life, but cutting off the people who don't may not be easy. Right, like a lot of time, the quote unquote path of least resistance, what's easy if we have set our life up in a certain type of way, or our life is set up in a certain type of way, we have a certain type of family, certain type of community. What's easy, quote unquote, is to not rock the boat.
1: Right.
0: What feel and it, it right, this is a complicated idea, right? Because it's like it it is less effort to let things just keep going like they're going there will be less upheaval there will be less loss you've gotten accustomed to the pain that comes with the sameness that you have so it feels easier to stay in that kind of pain is it really easy like no you're suffering slowly uh and like whittling your life away like while you're missing out on So it's like it's not it's not easy per se but it feels familiar. So it feels easier than like all of a sudden I'm going to have to like start setting boundaries and start cutting people off Mm -hmm. and start having difficult conversations, start telling people, no, I'm going to have to quit the job I have to go for that better job. Right. Like there's all these things we have to do that like for us, for our little traumatized nervous systems that tell us that like speaking up, is is puts me in mortal danger it's not gonna feel easy to do the things that create ease in your life and that's okay because we can do hard things and so like yeah. that's like the place I'm trying to come to with ease is like yes the goal is creating ease and equally sometimes it's not gonna feel easy to create ease and it doesn't know <laughs>
1: <You're laughs> like right. it's, like, it's definitely our language is so, language is so limited when it comes to concepts like this because I hear it. I hear like, oh, well, and I, based, I recently had a situation where my ex was like, you can use this car during a pandemic because I know you're not generating much income during a pandemic because it's a pandemic. And then, but he's always been like a complete asshole to me. And he like sent me this message about something and I was like, dude, you were you weren't, why are you being such a dick? I knew he was going to take the car back because he... His, he, he, that's, his, that was his power over me. And having the car made life easy. And for me to say, no, you can't treat me like this was, you're being a, you're being awful. You can't treat me like this. I knew making him no longer acquiescing to making him feel good about himself meant that I would lose the ease of the car. But also my life became, my life became easier. Because I don't have to worry about bowing or selling myself to this person. But was losing the car hard? Yes, because I also had to deal with the reality that I was selling myself to have access to something that made my life easier. Right? So I had to move through all this PTSD, all these moments of like, this is how you sold yourself. This is how, this is what he did to you, da-da-da-da-da. Um, but, and now that the car is gone, it's like he no longer, he, he played his final card. He severed the last link or last relinquished the last bit of control. And like, and is my life easier? Is my spirit ease? Am I like, do I have more space? Do I have more relief? Am I more of myself? Do I feel more whole? Yes. Was it easy? No, you are absolutely right. The things that help create ease in our lives don't come in these gentle ways. We have to fight for them. Um, and so yeah, language is definitely our language is so limited in expressing that concept. You said that concept so well. That is exactly what I mean. Like when we do create ease in our lives, we're still going through the process of creation which is some Pele shit, right? Messy, messy and dangerous. (laughs) Creation is
0: messy and dangerous. Ask anyone who's ever birthed a human.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. So it's so much and it's so, we build so much muscle and break open in so many ways. When we move with manifesting, we move with acknowledging our desires, finding, it's like, reawakening this part of myself and I found that as I have embraced hope and longing and yearning I find myself moving closer to the child that I once was and I understand I understand that one parable now going back to my christian roots of in order to enter the kingdom of heaven one must be like a child mm. it says it one must be like a child uh, children are like, feral and, and, and curious and absolutely authentic, which comes across to some people as vicious. Like, if you have, if you ask a kid for their opinion about how you look, a kid will tell you, like, <laughs> he'll be like, damn. Um, but there's this, there's this, um, like, I feel my own innocence returning to me. I feel my own feralness returning to me. I feel my own, um, Like my teeth, when I was a child, my teeth were sharp. So like I feel myself through this building a relationship with desire and manifestation and wants, learning the differences between wants and need and finding both valuable. Um, I find myself becoming more like the child I once was and I'm, I'm loving it because I feel like I'm returning to who I am and that is the healing that happens as we move through this process. Mm,
0: So good. Well, we've already talked for an hour and like, I feel like we have so much more we can say, but I don't want to leave it here because we've really just talked about asking. We really just like just scratched the surface of like the beginning part of manifesting. I'm going to skip completely over belief for today. Let's just talk a little bit about the difficulty with receiving.
1: Oh my God.
0: Yeah, let's just
1: and, just a quick light topic about why it's hard to receive. <laughs> Yo, in, <laughs> and, um, in the body divine, when I talk about seducing the universe, I'm like, we do all this shit. We took seduce the universe, and um and then we're taught that it's bad to be a, um, a pillow princess. It's like pillow princess. You're taught that if you're just receiving something, that you're like a pillow princess that just lays there and take it. But look, a pillow princess does work. You do the work beforehand. You made the outfit, you set the table, you put the, you, you wash your ass, you put on lotion and shit, like, you made your place look nice or whatever, you did the job of seducing, you did all this work, the only other person had to pull up and put in. That's all they had to do. And, you know, you got one, they got one job to do. Like, you get to lay there, like, be a pillow princess for the universe, like, and, you know, so that's one of the things, that's the next part, seduce the universe, let seduce the universe, and then be a pillow princess for the universe. Because this deduction is so much. I, I,
0: couldn't, I couldn't love anything more than I love that. Like, I want to end the show right here. Be like, and we're done. Good night. Be a pillow princess <laughs> for the universe. Goodbye. But it's so good. Oh my God. It's so good. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. But also, yeah. I want to tap on that, right? Because like, uh look, as somebody who grew up thinking, b- being both, Sexually abused,
1: mm-hmm.
0: sexualized, and then also like being someone who iner- inherently has like a lot of powerful sexual energy and like Same. a very powerful sexual mm-hmm. aura um, and uses sex as a spell and has long before I understood that that's what I was mm-hmm. doing. I also offered up sex and sexuality as an apology for my perception that I was not beautiful or desirable or useful Mm. for anything else. And so not only was I going to do all the work of seduction, but like, you know, like the joke about like crazy bitches are like good in bed and like Mm. ugly girls are good in bed and fat girls are good in bed. Right. Like I had all of this, like I, you will never forget me. Like I'm not pretty, but you will never forget me. And like, so even going into situations of seduction with all of this baggage of like, I have to hyper perform to make up for all of the, the things that I think I inherently lack. And that's like not just in romantic relationship, but that was really a big place that played out in my life, not just sexually, but also in like my dynamic with partners that over functioning, over giving, over performing, making everything my fault, over apologizing, over Everything like I was having the whole relationship by my damn self. Like really, all they had to do was pull up, and I was just like, "Oh my god, thank you for mm-hmm. attention. Thank you for giving me anything at all for mm-hmm. this little tiny scrap. I'm gonna do the work of ten people to mm-hmm. get this." And the idea, like when it first started being broken down to me, that there was no space for anyone to come in and give me anything because I was filling all of the space with frantic doing. Mm -hmm. I was like, fuck you get out of my face. I'm going to go cry for three months and then I'll come back and we can revisit this conversation. Mm -hmm. Right. But like that idea of like all of my giving, which was also attached to martyr stories, And how I give more than anyone else, and I love harder than other people, and no one gives to me the way I give to other Mm -hmm. people—all of those martyr stories having to pull apart, like that they were really about fear and control, and trying to be like, if I just do, if I just do, if I just do, if I just do, then you won't leave, and I can right, like, and that I had to drop. You will get hurt
1: because you won't expect them to give. You will get hurt. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that I couldn't start having my needs met. I couldn't even start until I could start to put some of that over giving and over performing Mm -hmm. down. And what we find when we start putting over performing and over giving down is all of the lack, fear, scarcity around like, is my beingness enough to deserve Mm -hmm. sweetness, to deserve love, to deserve anything. Like, what do you mean I deserve someone to be nice for me just for being myself? Like, I don't have to do any. I don't have to earn it. What do you mean? What do you mean I don't have to earn it?
1: We are so brought up. I think one of the things to help us receive is to break down our idea of transactional relationships. And we have been taught that everything in the society is transactional. When we look at things as if they cannot, as if they don't have to be transactional, That we are, I think that one of the big things I needed to feel that I hadn't felt and that hadn't been felt through my ancestral line being a descendant of, um, enslaved people was entitlement to my own flesh. Mm -hmm. And when I began to feel entitlement to my own flesh, my own self, my own time, I began to feel that I deserve to be treated within my humanity, which meant that my relationships did not have to be transactional. That just as I just, just as I get to have free access to air and water, like I should have access to food and things that keep me alive. I should have access to the things I need to make my life feel good. Um, within the understanding that I am part of a beautiful, interconnected, interconnected existence. Um, and that I. Uh, it's so, it's so, it's like, like, I can't, like, I'm a redwood, I'm a mushroom, we're all connected. So I get to have these things also paying attention to the consequences that they cause other people, right? So our consequences are all shared, but I get to receive. And also when I receive from people, they, I'm allowing them to love me. And I wasn't allowing people to love me because it was okay for me to love other people, but not for other people to love me because if they love me and then they left, and like, I mean, then I'm, I can't, I, I can't deal with that. Um, and I had to learn to, I've had to learn to accept the seasons of life, receiving and giving that there are times when there is a full harvest and there are not. But for the most part, I had to be, feel entitled to my own self. And that entitlement um, informed my desires, informed my ability to receive. Um, when I saw myself as whole and, and, and worthy and, and through that entitlement valuable to myself, it changed how I interacted with other people and how I interacted with receiving. I think a healthy entitlement is essential to receiving. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does.
1: Noticing the places
0: we're receiving is difficult, even just small ones. And I'll throw these in, like compliments. Mm -hmm. For a long time, I could not take a compliment. Like I would talk people out of their compliments. All performers have probably been through this.
1: Oh my god! Yeah. Someone
0: tries to tell you they like their performance. and you start telling them all the reasons why you sucked, and they're like, "Well,
1: thank you for taking away my enjoyment of that. Why? Why did you just?" And that's what happens. That is what happens. I told somebody like, I think it was years ago, I'm like there needs to be a burlesque class on how to take a fucking compliment. Because when you do not take that compliment, you are ruining the magic and the experience for someone else. And as someone that's hard to take a compliment, you're a performer. You're going to get like five or six or 10 or more, whatever compliments, you know, as you walk out to go to your fucking car to go home. Like, um, but yeah, compliments. I, and I don't know why we're that. Oh, it's that taping. It's that taping that we get recorded as children and all that kind of stuff. Like, I know when I would do a good thing, I would come to my mom and be like, hey, mom, I did this. My mom's like, what do you want? A cookie? Like you're doing what you were supposed to do. And you're I think that's actually a cookie, cookie, cookie would be nice, bitch. <laughs> yeah. It would be fucking nice. I was like I graduated with a four point six or something like that on a 4.0 GPA because I went to college while I was in school. Like, I was a classically trained pianist. Like, first place date in Louisiana. Like, all this kind of shit. I'm like, damn! Can I get a cookie? Right. Just one? Like, a, yeah. like Yes, one. please. I would
0: like a cookie, and there's nothing <laughs> wrong with it. Back to asking for what we want.
1: A single chocolate chip taste Like, yes! Give me one! But, like, we get it beat out of us the same way we get um, asking for things beat out of us, right? So it's repairing that relationship, and then just in working through those tapes as well. But yeah, take a compliment. It's so hard so like when your
0: friend or like a lover. For me, like. When I've had lovers who are like, you just sit down, I'm going to cook, and I'm going to do the dishes, or like, I'm going to take the trash out, I'm going to, like, you just sit down. Like, I suddenly am like, where do hands go? Like, how do I sit down? I don't understand, like, what do I, this is not my role, I don't understand, you know, and that like, I'm a service sub, too, so I'm like, what do you mean I just sit down? Is this a test? I'm being tricked. I'm going to get spanked for this, if I'm lucky. Okay, so like, <laughs> right, like, I... I'm like, oh, like suddenly someone allowing me to rest in even just like small moments that to them aren't that big a deal. But for me are like, this is this is a place I usually show up or this is a thing I usually handle myself Mm -hmm. and noticing what happens in my body when I'm like, oh, it makes me uncomfortable to accept Mm sitting down in my own house and letting you bring me a glass of wine or letting you go get the food out of the oven. Everything in me is like, no, I can't. I have to Mm -hmm. jump up and do it. Right. Letting you do this thing for me Mm -hmm. that I would normally take care of myself makes me aware of all of the ways that like, I'm not used to relying on other people for my needs to get met. Mm -hmm. And that's such an invitation Right. It's mm-hmm. such a growing edge when we start having people in our lives who are like, I could just handle that for you. <laughs> You're like, yeah.
1: Oh. oh. Yeah. Um, and we'll and- say in order to have those people in our lives, then we gotta get rid of some of the people who don't do that. Yeah. But yeah, my partner, when my partner would do stuff for me, I would be like, Ooh! but then I remember how how good it feels when they allow me to do stuff for them. Mm-hmm. And also because I'm a sadist. How they cringe when I do stuff for them. So like it's like this double thing of like I'm gonna say this and I and I, I want to do it because I'm also I'm a service top. Like so I'm like I want to do this because one I'm a service top and two it's gonna make you super uncomfortable. So like it, it it like hits me like on double places, but also um like as a compers a person who has compersion when my partner or my family my found family or my friends do something for me. And they, they have pride in what they do. Like, I, I'm allowing them to do the damn thing that they do. I'm allowing them, when we allow others to be strong or take care of us, it, it's a, it's an ego boost for them. It, it's a sign of love. They get yes. to expect their love. And also, it makes them feel good about themselves. And also, I know that I'm not the type of person to take it for granted. Like... I am very thankful with stuff. So we get to move. When we receive, we get to really move into gratitude. We get to express our gratitude. Like we get to take in that. We get to give, we get to receive what we give other people. Like we get to be on both ends. As a massage therapist, I had to learn by working on other people and having other people work on me. As a kinky person, I've never exposed my bottom to anything that I haven't felt before. Life is a circle, giving and receiving, living and dying. And when we resist compliments or resist receiving, we are resisting a natural cycle. And it and it's so and it hurts us. Like it hurts to receive the compliment, and it hurts to push it away too. Like there's a certain kind of like there's always a fiery feeling in my chest, like when I resist a compliment. When I'm like, oh, but but now I've had to take the compliment because when you realize how when you move with the entitlement of yourself to yourself and 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 oh God and seeing yourself in all your parts and not judging yourself and seeing how valuable you are um and seeing how innately good you are um you know that you have the ability to change touch alter inspire someone else so when someone compliments me for doing something that had a big effect on them. I can't take that effect away from them by denying that it happens. That's cruel. That's cruelty. Yeah. And so I have to accept that compliment. I have to accept the effect that, that they have, that I have had on them. And if I am going to be the type of person who moves with gratitude, and if I want people, when I tell someone thank you and that they've changed my life, I want them to believe me. But how can, like, I can't ask for what I can't receive. I can't give what I can't receive.
0: Yeah. No, I think it's so profound. And like, you know, you picture, like, I love giving gifts. And if I give someone a gift, my favorite part of it is like watching their reaction when they open it and watching them be excited to receive it. And if you can imagine like someone handing you a gift and you're just like, and you like, throw it behind you. That's yeah. what we do, right? When we can't receive a compliment, when we, when we push away the things that um people are trying to give it to us and tying this back into manifestation, I think a lot about sometimes our blocks around receiving are um, limiting our like our picture of what our thing is going to look like, right? Mm-hmm. Thinking that we know better than the universe, like what this yep. is going to look like. And I always think about like, okay, so you placed your order from the universe, right? You're like, I want this when we release that. Right. And like, we're getting, we're getting into like a little fine tuning here. Like, so you you send up the request and you, re- and you let it go. You release it yeah. for me. I usually release it with a, uh, all of this or something better, And a lot of work on surrendering my idea of how the thing is going to come. I have, I might have ideas of how I think it's going to come. But I have to have wiggle room. And I have to like have allowance for the idea that like my divine team knows better than I do from the ground the best way for this thing to come to me. And so I can't be too attached to what I think it's going to look like. And sometimes I think the ingredients for the thing that we want are showing up and we are rejecting them because they don't look like what we think they're going to look like. And it's like, oh, I ordered a package from Amazon and I was expecting it to come from UPS, but every day FedEx has been ringing my doorbell and I won't answer the door because I'm Uh expecting it to come from UPS, right? Like I'm just rejecting um, the cooperative components because I'm so fixated on it only looking one way that I'm missing things that are coming in. So I think part of receptive mode is also about, like, releasing some of our control and Mm -hmm. some of our – it's hard to when you're smart, right? Like, oh, you're so smart. You're so smart that you think you know exactly how this is going to go. And, like, it might not look the way you think it's going to look. It might not come the way you think it's going to come. It might not come in the package you think it's going to come in. It might come through – the most unexpected of people, it might come through loss like that. We don't definitely don't like looking at that part back to the grief mm-hmm. is like sometimes the space for the thing that we want comes through loss, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like your car, which I can completely see mm-hmm. had to, like the space had to be created through something. To
1: be created. And I so, see that um, as a, um, I do sympathetic magic. Mm-hmm. So when I ask for things, I don't actually ask for the thing. Like when I was looking for a place to live, I thought about how I would want to feel when I lived there, how I want to feel when I came home, how I want to feel when I left, how I want to feel in my room, like how I want to feel like, or even with jobs, how I want to feel doing this, how I want to feel doing that. Um, What would I want it to cover necessarily? These needs or desires, but I never am super, super specific. I I go with how I want to feel because that's not going to change. That's not going to change. And it allows space for that thing to come in, how that thing needs to come in. And also acknowledging that things come in piecemeal. Like, it's like when you're playing a game of chess, like moves are made, but like you don't just win or lose a game. There's steps that need to happen. Um, And so you're right, there is a surrender that needs to happen and knowing that it can come in multiple and different ways. But one way I do to do that is I, I I go sympathetic. I go through how do I want to feel in my body, mind and spirit with this with this thing that I'm calling it. And that allows it to take shape how it needs to take shape, because I may be different by the time. The thing that I need to come in comes in.
0: Oh, yeah. And that's a, that's an awesome, like little point for me to like, I'll tie this back a little bit to why I'm doing the challenge in the way that I'm doing it. And then I'll try to wrap mm. this up because we've been on for an over an hour. Uh, it's two, three, four. And we started at one, one, one. Look at that. <laughs> uh, okay. So part of the reason that I've structured the challenge, the way that I have is for exactly that reason, because we don't manifest from our thinking, positive thinking has very little to do with it. And that's what I've really been talking about online. Um, We manifest from our feeling right from our feeling space and um, thinking about (laughs) tapping into how you will feel when you Mm -hmm. have what you want Mm -hmm. um, is the pathway, right? Like that's, that's the way to go. And where do we feel (laughs) in our bodies? Right. Not our minds. We feel in our bodies. And so back to that idea of like having to heal your relationship with your body and get into your body and drop into your senses. That's where our feeling life takes place. Yeah. Um, And so if we want to, in my opinion, my experience has been, if we want to supercharge our manifestations, if we want to speed the process up, we need to tap into, okay, I think when I have this new place, I'm going to feel safe. I'm going to feel secure. I'm going to feel held. I'm going to feel delighted. Like, what are the things I'm going to feel when I have that? And I can practice Mm-hmm. Cultivating those feelings in my body right yeah. now, so that when I encounter them in the world, I recognize the feeling, yeah, and I'm like, "Oh, this is it." And to me, the fastest way in to practicing feelings is through movement and music. Yeah. Right? You, there's nothing faster than music to shift
1: mm-hmm. your feelings. But just vibrations. It's, yeah. it's it's direct vibration, and everything is like when we talk going into the science of everything. It's all vibration. It's all vibration, like string theory. It's a thing. Like, check it out, people. Um, but it's all vibration. So movement plus music is music is that vibration. You're adding physical movement, changing yourself. And through changing it, because all of manifestation starts with the self. It's all yourself radiating outward and making yourself ready. The part about manifestation and movement and body. because so you're making yourself ready to receive. Where you're going to get, you're doing the work from a cellular, sensual cellular level. Mm.
0: And with that, I will tie this up. I I feel like I need to do like, we need to do a couple more episodes because I feel like we just started to scratch the surface. Well,
1: I'm here for it. (laughs) I'm
0: so here for it. Thank you so much for your brilliance and yourself in the world and for sharing space with me in your life and today with everybody on the show. And where can people find you?
1: Um, you can find me, my my blog space and writing spaces, mammyisdead.com, or you can find me at asovereignembodiment.org. Um, or you can look up Rawia. The best way to connect to all the spaces and find out what I'm doing and where I'm at is to go to um, Rawia Tariq Linktree. And you'll find any projects that I'm supporting because I always have a list of things or projects that people are doing. Um that I feel like if you have money or funds or attention like spread this shit out they'll get to my writing and how to connect to me to work and for um, any kinds of like heart holding or creation and yeah so go to our Tree link tree and you will find everything you need to find about me and be able to connect with me and stuff and support amazing. my work <laughs> and we'll, uh,
0: we'll link that all up in the show notes too so people cool. will be
1: able to click on it it's so amazing to speak with you like this you have been You have been an amazing human being in my life. I had to learn about receiving. One of my big things with receiving was with you. You showed up for me at a time when I was real. I was going through it. I was going through it. I had just almost died twice and you like, you were like, here, I'm here for you. And you, you gave to me and I had to receive and I'm, and I'm so grateful for that. So. I love this opportunity. I'm honored by this opportunity to be able to do this with you in this moment right now. So thank you for that. Thank you for this.
0: Thank you. I'm a i I'm receiving y'all. That's that that silence was me just like taking that in and and not being like, no, it was all you, you did all of the everything. Cause that's always my initial impulse. It's like, let me hand it all back to you. So thank you. I received that. It was natural is natural has always felt natural for me to want to, hold space for you and give to you because I see the way that you do that for everyone around you and for so many members of our community. And I just, I'm so glad to know you. I love you so much. I love you too. (laughs) All right. Before we both cry, I'm turning this (laughs) off.